On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Love, Identity, and Purpose will invite you on a journey in discovering your unique identity. Welcome to Love, Identity, and Purpose. This is session two. Uh, In the first one, we talked about the importance of understanding the love of the Father, our identity as a child of God, and understanding our purpose of representing Him on earth. And so I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope that you will certainly go back over that because what we're talking about here is establishing a firm foundation. Obviously, we read there in 1 Corinthians, the only foundation that can be laid is Jesus. He says, be careful how you build on that foundation. So I'm proposing that in Love, Identity, and Purpose that we're building on that foundation with love and identity. And that gives us the stability to withstand any storm of life. Now, this particular session, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again. And and every one of our equipping series, we we discuss the importance of fully embracing and receiving the Holy Spirit. And the reason is because of my own personal story. Uh, I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian home. I really don't recall a time that I didn't attend church. But to me... Uh, I got a clear presentation of Jesus. Uh, I didn't have a problem with the Father, but I really didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So it was not until 1982 at a meeting that I got introduced to the Holy Spirit. I got baptized with the Spirit. I didn't even know what that was. I've never really heard much about the Holy Spirit, but I do know this, changed my life. And so that's why that every equipping series that we do we take one session usually to talk about how important it is to receive the Holy Spirit. He is not some afterthought. He's not some, like, I'm not sure what. No, he is central to how we relate to God. He is God, and it's so important for us to recognize that really he's God with us. Uh, Jesus, who everything we have is because of Jesus, but he's at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It's the Holy Spirit that really makes the love of the Father come alive. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to bear witness with His Spirit that we are children of God. So it's very, very, very important for us to to look at not only the work of the Spirit, but to, to take off all the reservations, all the restrictions, and receive this Holy Spirit. Now, what happened to me is that I got a revelation of the love of the Father. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came upon me, I just, all of a sudden, just knew God loved me. I realized that there was spiritual warfare, which I'd never even heard of. I also realized that he'd already won the battle. The Word of God came alive. But this whole issue of the Holy Spirit and what about manifestations and what about this and what about that, I just, wow, I didn't, I didn't know. But so this is what I did. I go, okay. I, I want everything you've got. I, if there's more, I want that too. I don't know everything there is, but I want, I want every manifestation. I want every gift. I want to operate in whatever you want me to operate in because I have, I'm going to take off all the restrictions. But I need to see it in the Word. So I need to go to the Word and really see it. So what I did was, uh, now I, ex- I experienced the Spirit and, I, and the love of the Father and the Word came alive. But still, I got to go back to the Word. So I encourage you also to be students of the Word. Go to the Word. It says in Acts, as the Bereans did, they even checked out the Apostle Paul. But go to the Word yourself. Let the Word of God 
work in you. So I want us to go look at Scripture. And um, I'm just going to start here. This is a passage in John 14. In John chapters 14 and 15 and 16, really what Jesus is doing is he's preparing the disciples to for his going to the cross and then ultimately leaving. And he's telling them, don't be afraid. But he also, what he does here is that he introduces them to the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not that they didn't, they weren't aware of the Holy Spirit, but what's getting ready to happen is that Jesus is going to leave them. And so in John 14, verses 16 and 17, this is what Jesus said. I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And again, the disciples at the time were going, hmm, what is this Holy Spirit deal? Because Jesus is right there with them. Um, then go to John chapter 16, and this is verse 7. It said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, and just, just think, think about that for just a moment talking to his disciples, who he's lived with for three years. They've seen the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the healings, the, the, the bread multiplied, the walking on water. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen the blind eyes open. And he's telling them, hey, guys, uh, listen, it's to your advantage I go away. Now, put yourself in that position. Are you, you, you kidding me? I mean, no way. Jesus said it's to your advantage that he leave. Now, obviously, we're talking about he's going to the cross and paying for our ultimate penalty of sin so we can be restored to Father. So, yeah, obviously that. But if you were there with Jesus at the time and he told you that, you'd go, there's no way. I mean, what are you talking about? Why? It's because God in the flesh, Jesus, can only be at one place at one time talking to a few people. Obviously, they spoke to the multitudes. But when you think about that dimension, he's saying, guys, it's going to be good because when I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come. I'll send him to you. He's going to live in you. So not only can a few people know me as you're right here in this small group or whatever crowd he could gather, but listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, he can't come. If I go away, I'll send him to you. Now, it goes on in verse 12 of chapter 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, again, he's talking about God and the Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He'll tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine he will declare it to you, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, I will, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Isn't that an amazing passage? I mean, what he's saying is, is that, look, remember he told him in John 14, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And he has come by the Spirit. And why it's so much an advantage? Because no longer could, how many people could get to Jesus, literally, in the flesh? Very few. How many places could Jesus be? Well, it can only be one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit has come to live in every one of us, to guide us, direct us. He, the Spirit of the living God, 
living in us. So that's why it's like, wow, this is powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, But I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of, of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And what Paul is saying here is that when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God and makes known to us the things that have been freely given to us by God. That's why we need to fully, completely, absolutely embrace Him, the Spirit of the living God. He is God, and He loves us. Now, we've already read this previous session, but in Romans 8.15, he said, I didn't give to you a spirit of bondage again and of fear, but I've given to you the spirit of adoption. That's the Holy Spirit. I share these verses because the point is, is that he's God. He loves us. He, he's here with us. Uh, I don't have to go someplace. I don't have to go to a temple today. We're the temple of God. He resides in us. He doesn't reside in a building. He lives in us. He said that we would know him. He dwells with us, will be in you. Isn't that amazing? This is the Holy Spirit. He loves us. He wants us to know him. He doesn't want us just to know facts about him. He wants us to know him. Now, when we talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself was empowered by the Spirit. Uh, We read this out of Luke chapter 3, verse 22. It said, The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. Wow. I mean, it's amazing when you look at this, Jesus himself was birthed by the Spirit. So he didn't need to be born again, but he did submit himself to be water baptized. But the Holy Spirit came upon him. And this is so important because it says that the one whom the Spirit would come and remain, that would be the one that would that they knew that was the Messiah. But Jesus himself modeled for us how we're to live. Now, here's my point. Jesus was a man empowered by the Spirit, living in relationship with Father, doing his will. So, if Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit to empower him, we certainly need that also. Uh, He went on after his baptism and being in the wilderness. uh, He goes in and he quotes Isaiah 61 which we find in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. It's just just the first part here. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And and again, Jesus makes it very clear that the Spirit was upon him. Um, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. But again, the point is, the Spirit was upon him. Well, we need to recognize that Jesus, again, he's showing us how to live. He's showing us how do we live on this earth 
How do we represent heaven? How do we do that? By being empowered by the Spirit. And it's interesting because Jesus, before he left, um, Acts chapter 1, he said, hey, you need to wait here until you're endued with power on high. Now, I want to want to read Acts chapter 1, and um, because this is such an important passage. Jesus had res- been resurrected, and, um, and now he is telling them what's getting ready to happen. Acts chapter 1. I'm um, eventually going to get here. I'm just, he was teaching them things concerning the kingdom of God. The end of verse 3. Verse 4, he said, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in your own authority, his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is because Jesus had commissioned his disciples. He told them to go, made disciples of all nations. But now he's telling them, don't go until you're endued with power. And so what, we talk, what we're talking about now, love, identity, and purpose, we've been restored to the Father's love. We've been restored to our true identity as a son or daughter of God, and we have been now empowered to carry out the assignment of representing him on earth. And so what Jesus is saying here, he said, listen, this is the promise of the the Father. Um, That promise was out of Luke 24, 49. It says, behold, I send the promise of my Father up on you. For you tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from upon high. Again, we're not talking about a born-again experience. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes and lives in you. Um, heard it said that the Spirit in you is for you. The Spirit on you is for others. But whatever the, whatever the case is, we need this empowering of the Spirit. This Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Shall be witnesses. That's God's heart. Again, our assignment is to represent him on earth. How do we do that? By being empowered by the Spirit. So the issue is people will say, well, what about manifestations? What about this or what about that? Uh, The real issue is power. Do you have power to be his witness? Do you have power to represent him? Do you have the power of the living God? Remember the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is who we're talking about here. The Holy Spirit is sent to be upon us. And again, the context is of being clothed, literally putting on like the Spirit. So it's not talking about a born-again experience. It's talking about an empowering experience. And that's what happened to me. It changed my life, changed me from being a, you know, wasn't very sure of what I was going to share, wasn't sure how to share it, to the point of where um we, we ended up starting a church and, and um, have been serving God ever since. But that was a life-changing deal. And obviously, being born again is life-changing. But, but empowered by the Spirit is what it kicks it into overdrive. People would say, what happened to you? And go, I, I don't know. All I know is, is that I feel like I was watching a black and white TV, 
and um, sort of shares my age here, old black and white TV with not very good sound, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at, at the beautiful flat screen, Technicolor with surround sound. Image is not different, it's just totally enhanced. I shared one day about, I felt like I was in traffic jam, not going anywhere in a car, and all of a sudden, God just picked me up and set me on the, like the Indianapolis 500, and boom, off I went. I don't know how else to explain it. It changed my life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life. And it's, again, it's the Spirit. It comes upon it. It's a great debate. The enemy does everything possible. He does not want us to be empowered. He does not want us to, to be empowered to represent God. As I said in the last session, he does everything possible to challenge the, the love and identity that Christ paid for us to be restored to. He does not want us to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. He'll do everything possible to try to keep us powerless, defeated. He doesn't want us to receive the power, to be clothed with power on high, to be his witnesses, to walk out there and see, see lives changed, and to recognize it's not us, it's the power of the Spirit that lives in us. He promised I'll never leave you. That's what he wants for us. Now, you follow through the book of Acts, and I'm just going to read a couple of these passages. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and each sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so... When you go through the book of Acts, you're going to see they spoke in tongues. There were different manifestations in nearly every place. The uh, next account was Samaria, Acts chapter 8. Uh, whatever happened there, it, it just says that the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them. And the apostles heard they came down from Jerusalem and prayed for them. And then they, they all, the Spirit came. Acts chapter 10 is where Peter goes to Cornelius' house. And he, he shares with them who were Gentiles. It says that while he was still speaking, the Spirit fell upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues. Uh, he then said, okay, how can we forbid this? So we, they did water, he water baptized them. Uh, I point out all that. It's not because of the manifestations. There should be some manifestation of being baptized with the Spirit. There, there, for me, it was a revelation of the love of the Father. Now, later, I began to, I had the ability to speak in tongues. Uh, I had, I've seen signs and wonders and miracles and prophecy and all the things that accompany that. And as I said, I want all the gifts of Spirit. I want all the operation of Spirit. Why would you not want things that God has paid for for us to have? Why would you not want, God's a, a good Father. He gives us everything. Why would we not want that? So let me go on my story. I'm wrestling with this because I'm trying to really figure this all out from Scripture. And I come to this passage in Acts 19. This is beginning of verse 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, oh, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. 
When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, altogether about 12 there. Now, when I came to this passage, um, I remember, you know, again, I'd already experienced the Spirit, but I was still struggling with the different issues of the manifestations and what about this and what about that. And I came here, and when I read this passage, the Spirit of God spoke to my spirit. I didn't hear an audible voice, but he spoke to me, and he said, when, when it says here, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And the Spirit made me, uh, he asked me the same question. Now, when I say I heard from God, it's something that is like, it sort of explodes inside of me. I just, I knew, I knew right off. The answer was no. Now, in the natural, in my thinking, I'm sitting there going, well, of course, I can't get born again without receiving you, Holy Spirit, as but that was not the answer. And I realized what God was saying to me. I had grown up in a church where I believed in Jesus, but I never had much teaching on the Holy Spirit, no experience with the Holy Spirit. So to be honest, I had to say, no, Lord, I've never really received you as spirit. And I said, but Lord, I do today. And from this point on, I want to receive you. I'm sorry that I have not, or I've resisted, or I've not understood but from this day forward, I want to receive you. Now, if you look at this passage, it's very interesting because Paul would always go into an area and he would try to find those of the way. That's what they called them. They didn't call them Christians early days until later, but they would call them of the way because they Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so he would always go in and inquire whether somebody of this particular sect of way. And um, they tell, oh, yeah, there's probably some down here. And so he found them. And so immediately he realized that there's something, something's not right here. So he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they go, uh, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Hmm. Well, then what baptism were you baptized into? And they said it was John's. Oh, okay, now I know where you are. Listen, John was prophesying about one who would come who would, who would save us, forgive us, and then we he would baptize us with the Spirit. He's come. His name is Jesus. So when they heard that, <clears throat> they received, and then they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and then he laid hands upon them to receive the Holy Spirit. Again, point being in all of this is that if there, there, there is the empowering of the Spirit is not just words, and it's not just talk. There's a changed life. And that's what we're really talking about here. We need the Holy Spirit. He is God with us. We need to develop the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what He wants to do. He wants us to not just know about Him, but He wants us to really know Him. Now, this is... Um, I want to close with this. This is Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. It says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If then... You being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. So what I want to do here, I want to take a little time to pray. And my question to you, are you endued with power from upon high? Uh, you know, people say, well, I've, I've been baptized in the Spirit. I, I'm not talking about a one-time experience. I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm talking about an empowering of the Spirit that we're yielded to Him. See, the real issue is control. A lot of people will say, well, I want this or I want that, but I don't want this, don't want that. Mm. He wants to be in charge. He's absolutely in charge. He wants to control everything that we do. He's not just interested in a little bit of our life. He wants all of our life. Um, So I would encourage you, let go of all those things you're holding on to, all the fears and worries and all the things that, well, I, I don't want to give up this or I don't want to give up that. Listen, he's worthy of giving up everything you've got. And that's what he wants. He wants our life. He wants to empower us. Now, if you've ever spoken against this Holy Spirit, I encourage you to say, Father, forgive me, but I want you, I want you, Holy Spirit, in my life. Um, it's life-changing. That's what God wants. He wants to change our life. He wants to empower us so that not only, and again, it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the love of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to bear witness that we're children of God, and it is He is the Spirit of adoption, and He's the one who empowers us. So what we're talking about here is having a sure foundation of love and identity, but it's the Spirit that empowers us to really be able to not only know the love, to know our identity in Christ, but to do what He created us to do, which is our purpose, to represent Him on earth. And that's what He says in Acts 1. Don't go. Don't go until you're endued with power. Literally means to be clothed with power. It's like putting on the Spirit. And it's really interesting. You think about all these movies that are out, especially the Marvel movies, the hero movies. They're all empowered. It's a picture. It's a type for us to realize that God is trying to communicate to the world there is power available. It's in Him. It's power greater than any of those Marvel characters It's greater than anything that you can come up with. It it is Him, He, the Spirit of the living God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and bless you and we thank you. And I pray for everyone that's watching this, that if there's anyone here that, number one, that doesn't know you, that they would call upon your name. They would receive the gift of life and they would pick up your cross and follow them. If there are people watching that have never been empowered by the Spirit, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, baptize us with your Holy Spirit. The promise is for each and every one of us. So I just pray, Lord, that you would baptize us. We need, and we need not just a one-time deal. We need a continual, ongoing being filled with the Spirit. You said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. Well, it requires effort to be drunk. So I want to require, I want to put some effort into being filled. But Lord, I'm asking that you fill us and and empower us. We want to be clothed with power from upon high. And Lord, we want every manifestation that you've got, whatever it is, whether it's speaking in tongues, prophesying, but we want to walk in your empowerment. We want to change. We want to see lives change. We want to represent you on earth. So Lord, I just pray for everyone that you'd help us to walk in the fullness of everything that you've paid for with your life. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we just thank you now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect at jtmore.org.